Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Dr. George J. Saramuga. George, thanks for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you, Corey. It's an honor and it's a privilege. It's my pleasure to have you on the show, George. You have a new book out in stores. It's called God Loves the Children. Can you tell me about it? Sure, Corey. You know, for Team Love God, we always want to start in prayer. So, good and gracious God, thank you for this day and this opportunity to glorify your holy name through the inspiration of God Loves the Children. I thank my kind, talented, and spirit-filled colleagues, Ty and Ayn, for their illustrations and decorations throughout the book, as we call ourselves Team Love God, and we have brought to the world a reminder that our health, mind, body, and spirit is our wealth. So let us remember to fall in love with Jesus. He will never break our heart. Come, Holy Spirit, come and inspire us to be the light of the world. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. All right. You know, I'm an osteopathic family physician, an ambassador for Christ, and a veteran, Army, Air Force, and the Public Health Service. So God loves the children through the eyes of a child, shares the gospel message of salvation through the creator model of health care, being empowered, owning our health, by the five pillars of wellness, all for the glory of God. Corey, God never intended medicine, nor the path to salvation, to be complicated or messy. So we simplify both. We know the path to salvation is through Jesus Christ, the new covenant, the great commandment, to love God above all, and each other as God has loved us. And you know, and to help each other on that path. Life's tough enough. So I cannot walk the path for you, but I can walk it with you. As salvation is the goal of our faith, and our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, a gift from God to be honored and respected. George, who are you speaking to with this? What kinds of readers do you think would really be into it? Well, you know, Corey, the book is written for the middle school level, yet the message is for all of us. You know, to inherit the kingdom of God, we must return to that of a child. And many of my adult readers, first of all, they comment they like the big print, and they have enjoyed the empowerment message, the reminder that we're all responsible for our health and our choices and all life and healing come from God. So it really reminds all of us to return to that of a child. So George, how did this all come about? Where'd you get the idea for the book? Well, you know, Corey, I've been practicing medicine for about 30 years now. And what we're doing in medicine is not working. You know, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two in my own personal life and in my practice. So God has anointed me to show the world a better way in medicine, to teach, to love, and to heal through the creator model of healthcare to share the gospel message of salvation for the glory of God. I look at this, Corey, as concierge medicine, Hmm. a medicine that should be the same for all of us. Empowered patients, that means we got to own it. Empowerment is self-care and action, and personalized care and affordable care by the practitioner. You know, Corey, I'm not okay with 300 drug overdose deaths each day, suicides at an all-time high, and the number one cause of death in adolescence and we lose one veteran from suicide every hour. And the overall unhealth of our nation, which I call diseases inflammation, heart disease, stroke, cancer, 
obesity, autoimmune diseases, and the list goes on. You know, Corey, they're all preventable and reversible with the creator model healthcare. And the world would say to take more pills, potions, procedures, and vaccines to be healthy. But God says, I have given you everything on earth to be healthy through these five pillars of wellness to keep us on that sacred path. You know, when we're on fire for Holy Spirit, Corey, we just make better decisions. There's the five pillars of wellness. And the first pillar, Corey, I'm going to say it in three languages. It's that important. Miniwachoni, Lakota, Aguasvita, Spanish, water is life, both physical and spiritual. As we know, the Holy Spirit is the living water. And the second pillar is food is medicine. Fruits and vegetables should be the mainstay of our diet. We don't have to be vegetarian, but we should have a lot of rainbows of colors on our plate. The third pillar is exercise. We're made to move. Motion is a lotion, at least 30 minutes a day. And the fourth pillar is sleep, seven to nine hours a night to reconstitute and restore the health of our body. And it's not overrated. And the fifth pillar, Corey, is the hardest for all of us to be loving and forgiving. Because unconditional love is the greatest healer. A young patient once asked me, Doc, what's the greatest medicine? I said, love. The young patient said, well, what if that doesn't work? And with a big smile, I said, increase the dose. You can't overdose on love. I think my listeners should check this out as well. It's titled, God Loves the Children. It's written by Dr. George J. Saramuga and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. George, it's been wonderful chatting with you here tonight. Thank you so much for telling me all about your work. at had a really great time. Thank you very much, Corey, for the privilege of your time. May God bless you and your families abundantly. I'm really delighted right now to be sitting down with author Ariana Oman here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ariana, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here, Ariana. You have a new book. It just hit stores right now. It's called Foster Me. So can you tell me what readers are in store for here? They're in store for a beautiful novel. Imagine as a child being plucked from your family. You're 13 years old and you are plopped into another family. There are entirely different rules to follow. Your parents are not your original parents, and they barely know you. You're starting all over again in a foreign household. This new family doesn't know you, or your favorite meals, or what movies you like to watch, or what books you like to read. Nothing is familiar, and you're in a different bed, different school, so you have to meet new friends. Then imagine while you're adjusting to all those sudden changes in your life, you must also deal with the trauma or tragedy that created this complete overhaul of your life. That is what this novel, Foster Me, is about facing dramatic life changes and digging deep to find a way through it and hopefully come out intact. Hmm. Ariana, what sparked the idea for this? What inspired you to write it? I was inspired because I was once a foster child in my teens. I can see that you're reaching out for foster children, foster parents, and families who have been through this whole thing. Is that primarily who you were writing for, or did you have a wider audience in mind? Initially, that is what I believed, that foster children would be a focus or families associated with that, basically fiction with family life. But then after COVID-19, everyone became my target readers because thanks to the pandemic, we all face trauma and dramatic changes in our lives. And now everyone, I believe, can totally relate to the story. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing and doing the publishing thing? I have. I have some experience. I started off with like neighborhood newspaper and, you know, newsletters. And I did a few things with some fledgling magazines, but this is my first published work. 
So this was a change of gears for you. This is fiction, a novel. How long did it take you? Did this take a long time? Believe it or not, it didn't. I wrote it in six months. What was the most challenging part of it for you? Probably the most challenging was that I had to motivate myself. <laughs> and what advice would you have for other authors? You know, a lot of people listening, they're aspiring authors. They're looking to get their first book out there. What words of wisdom could you offer them now? Probably this. Not everyone is capable of conveying ideas, concepts, beliefs, and even emotions like love through words. But you can. So what are you waiting for? Do you think there will be more books after this? Do you have more planned? I do. There is one in process right now hmm. being published. It is called Lila Lies a Lot. And then I'm working on a third one in the editing process of that novel. Well, that's wonderful. After all the time and work that you put into writing a book, then publishing a book, what was it like for you to get that first physical copy in and hold it and look at it for the first time, Ariana? Yeah, that was a big one. I would like to say, and I know it would be proper to say, that I had a sense of pride, but I did not. Hmm. <laughs> Let me explain. If the book was in my hands one week after being accepted by the publisher, I would have been totally elated, asking to be pinched to be sure it wasn't a dream. <laughs> After months and months of the publishing process, where you have, you know, the editing, the design, cover art, title, and so on, it developed into a project. And it wasn't just a dream, but I did feel this wonderful sense of accomplishment. And who inspires you in your life, especially when it comes to your writing, Ariana? I love, believe it or not, it's not in the same genre, I love science fiction. <laughs> and who inspired me, I was introduced to the Dune books mm. years and years ago by Frank Herbert. Fantastic series. It really is. There's so much to it that it's awe-inspiring, and that's what happened to me is I was struck. <laughs> and he did a wonderful job of not just creating this imaginary, beautiful world, but he held true to what human nature really presents and our interactions with one another. And that really hooked me. Well, Ariana, I love your passion. I, I love that you're looking to reach out and help others who are going through some other things that you've been through as well. I encourage my listeners to check out this book. It's titled Foster Me. It's written by Ariana Oman and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can grab this one up everywhere, like at Barnes & Noble and iTunes and Amazon and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ariana, it was truly a pleasure having you on the show and learning about your work. Thank you so much for using what you've been through to reach out and help others, and I hope we can talk again soon. I hope so too, Corey, and it has been really a delight. I'm so excited I got to talk to you. Thank you. The Rough Side of the Mountain that's the new book. It's in stores right now, and it's written by Olajuwon Sol. And Olajuwon is right here with me now, and we're going to chat all about it. Olajuwon, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Olajuwon, what can readers expect in The Rough Side of the Mountain? Well, they can expect a great testimony. You know, mm. I showed a lot of resiliency. And a lot of passion and, you know, a lot of determination. So, you know, overcame a lot of obstacles and they can find that there. Can you tell me a little bit about the story that you tell in it? Um, it's basically my trials and tribulations I went through. You know, I, I went to college and, you know, we really couldn't afford it. And I had to drop my housing and stuff like that. And mm. that opened my eyes on, you know, a lot of things like helping the homeless. Because, you know, I just only got a taste of it. But I, I was like, man, people live this life every day. So that's what it's mainly about, my obstacles I overcame in life. What sparked the idea to write this? What inspired you? 
to be honest, I was just trying and I, I was like, okay, I'm good at writing essays and stuff. You know, I said, you know what? Hey, man, see if you can write a book. And I just stayed with it and I did it, you know. So that's what really inspired me, like just trying something new. Hmm. Was it a long process to write and then get published? Yes, sir, because uh, <laughs> it took me like two years. Because, you know, I was so caught up in life and, you know, when writing a book, you have to be focused, focused. And I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that's the most challenging thing about the whole thing? Just staying focused and staying on task with it? Yes, sir. That's the most challenging thing because, you know, a lot of stuff happened in life and you get thrown off course. What was it like then after those two years, all the work that you put into this, and you finally got the first hard copy and got to hold it and look at it for the first time? Olajuwon, what was that moment like? Oh, man, it was it was amazing. I was like, man, like, I really just wrote a book <laughs> and got it published. That's something where I'm from, it's not coming. Like, nobody's ever did it, and I was the first person to do it. So it's like, man, like, you're different. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you would do it again? Do you have plans to maybe write another and publish more? Uh, yes, sir. I got two more I'm writing on, but uh, I'm halfway done with them. Yeah, they can expect like some more from me. That's fantastic. You know, Lajuan, a lot of people listening right now are authors who are also just starting out. They're aspiring authors. Do you have any words of wisdom you could offer? Keep going, man. Stay focused. You can be whatever you want to be in life. And, you know, just stay focused, man, and keep going first. What kinds of readers were you reaching out to with The Rough Side of the Mountain? Who do you think would be most into it? The people who, who have kind of been through, you know, things in life, those are the ones that can relate to my book. Hmm. Now, after all the time and hard work that you put into this, Olajuwon, what would you say now is the most rewarding part of knowing that you're a published author and your work is out there for the world? Well, I see myself on Google. You know, my book and everything, you know, just pulling up my book and knowing that it's selling, you know, that was rewarding to me. Like, man, you really did it, you know. Did you ever encounter challenges while you were writing this? Maybe writer's block. You just have no idea what to write or you didn't have the ideas for where to go next. How do you get through stuff like that? Well, it was easier this time because I had actually been through some of that. So, like, it was easy for me to just keep writing. And uh, how do I get through stuff like that? Or I take a break, man. I have to stop, maybe come back a couple of days later or, you know, a month later and come up with a new idea and just put it on the paper, you know. Hmm. When you were writing The Rough Side of the Mountain, Olajuwon, did you find yourself doing it in a routine, maybe first thing in the morning or maybe at night? Or did you find yourself writing whenever you had the time or ideas? I really found myself doing it when I was just like, OK, you know what? I'm about to start writing. You know, like, mm. okay, let me get everything out of the way and just start writing. Finish this book. That was just my main focus. Like, we got to get it finished. Mm. I know a lot of readers are going to get a lot out of this book, and you ought to check it out. The title is The Rough Side of the Mountain. It's written by Olajuwon Sol, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get this everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Olajuwon, thank you again for joining me here at the show and telling me all about your work. I hope we can talk again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Creative Healing. How God Helped Me Heal My Trauma with the Gift of Creativity. This is the new book. It's really intriguing. It's out in stores right now. It's written by Tina Melton, and I'm really happy that Tina's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to tell me all about it. Tina, thank you so much for joining me tonight. 
Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to have you here, Tina. Can you tell me what readers are in store for with Creative Healing? Well, I think it's an inspirational book about using creativity as a healing method to get whatever you're going through, whether it be mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, you know, terminal illness, depression. I have mental illness, so I was able to use creativity to try to navigate through that. What sparked you to tell your story and to publish it for the world? Well, it's been a long journey of mental centers and psychiatrists and counselors. I went through a bit of trauma and it took me a long time, you know, to be able to get through that. And I started reading about, you know, creativity through creativity books, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron different books like that. And I learned different ways, you know, because medication, you know, it takes care of so much, but it's not a cure-all. And so I learned different methods to redirect my mind so that it wouldn't be so negative. Tina, who are you reaching out to with this book? What kind of readers were you looking to reach? Well, I mean, I believe anybody that is going through any kind of adversity or struggles or whatever, Maybe they've tried self-help books, and it's more of a practical solution. I think mine's more unconventional, mm-hmm. like redirecting your mind to other things so that you're not always thinking about the negativity. And, and I think it's a positive force. How long of a process was this for you, Tina, both writing the book and then putting it through that publishing process? Well, I started writing it in 2017. It started out as something different, and then I changed it. I really don't know what kind of helped me change it, but it started out as a book called Creative Star, and then I changed it to Creative Healing. I started in 2017, and then I actually wrote the book in 2019. I started having ideas in 2017, so it took me a couple of years. And do you think you'll do it again? Do you think you'll write another book in the future? Oh, absolutely. I'm working on maybe a sequel to this one. Hmm. And I'm also, I love fantasy, so I'm kind of working on a a fantasy. I'm not sure if it's going to be a children's book or a young adult book yet. Can you describe that moment for me, Tina, whenever you got that first physical hard copy of this in your hands and got to look at it for the first time? Oh my God, I was so excited. I mean, I was just thrilled. I couldn't believe that I actually did it. I went through many obstacles to get there, and I was just, yeah, I was really excited to get it. (laughs) A lot of people listening out there right now are authors who are just starting out, so do you have any words of wisdom you could offer them? Right. Read a lot. A lot of famous authors will say that, too. Just start writing and read a lot of different subjects and just write. (laughs) It's great advice. Now, this couldn't have been easy for you to write. You went through a lot of things before you could reach out and help others. So what's the most rewarding aspect to you now, knowing that your work is published, it's out there for the world? Well, for me, it was getting through all the obstacles and overcoming everything that I did overcome Mm. to be able to write it. And I, I wanted to try to help others that may be going through similar situations or other situations that they're struggling through that they just can't get through. And in a different way, it's about using your imagination, being unique, seeing different sides of yourself, 
it's a diverse book. I think when I first got it published, when they first told me that it had been published, they were like, this is the most unique thing that we've seen. So yes, we want to publish you. And I was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people are really going to be helped by this book. I encourage you to check it out. The title is Creative Healing, How God Helped Me Heal My Trauma with the Gift of Creativity. This is written by Tina Melton and is published by Fulton Books. You can grab this one up everywhere like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Tina, it's been wonderful having you on the show and learning about your journey and about the book. I hope we get to talk again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I Used to Be Nothing. That's a new book. It just hit store shelves. It's written by R.J. Greer. And the author, Rebecca, is right here with me now to talk all about it. Rebecca, thank you for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me today. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to have you here. Rebecca, what can readers expect in I Used to Be Nothing? Well, it's a book about how science reveals and affirms God as our creator and the aspects of his character. What kinds of readers were you reaching out to with this? Well, I'm hoping my target audience were older children, teens, but I also hope that adults will find interest in this book, too, and not just people who go to church, were raised in the church, but even people who just don't really know what to think about the church or God, just kind of a broader audience, too, I guess, not just church folks or people who believe in God. Hmm. Rebecca, can you go back and think about what sparked you to write this? Where'd you get the idea to write the book and then publish it? Yeah. So I homeschooled our three boys when they were younger, and we went to the library often. And my middle son, Levi, loves animals. And he actually rented a book. It was huge, like eight and a half by 11, and every page was full color and all about animals. But it was all about animals from an evolutionary timeline perspective and thought. And I was just like, yeah, no, we're going to take this back. And and he's just like, why? But it's all about animals and I love it. And I'm like, well, we'll talk about it. You know, this is a theory of evolution and we don't believe that it happened this way. And I'd rather tell you guys about that before we read about it in a book. And I'm like, I could write a better book about how God created all the animals. And I just kind of was saying it off the cuff to my little children so that they would just be okay with taking this book back. And they're like, Mom, you should do it. It'd be awesome. Like, (laughs) you teach us science so well, and we love it. And then my youngest, Silas, was like, yeah, and you can call it I Used to Be Nothing, because the book that Levi picked was I Used to Be a Fish. Mm. That was the title. So that's where the origin came from. And you know, once you tell kids something like that, they won't forget it. They're going to hold you to it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And they have. (laughs) Is this the first time you've ever done anything like this when it comes to writing and publishing? Publishing, yes. I have a blog that I spent quite a bit of time writing different shorter pieces on, and they weren't meant for just kids. It was just kind of an older audience, um, teenage adult audience, Um, just talking about faith and what we believe and why we believe it and what it looks like to live that out Hmm. instead of just being a religious person. And then, okay, so this is the first time, yes, that I have actually sat down and wrote a longer piece and got it published. How long of a process was it for you? Did it take a long time to do? Well, it did. It was kind of an on and off project. Like I mentioned, my kids, we homeschooled them. 
So I really wrote the biggest part of it while we were homeschooling. So it took me four years on and off because there were just time periods where I couldn't really sit down and focus on it or research it the way that I wanted to because I needed to teach my kids. So yeah, it was kind of an on and off four-year process. Mm. And after that four years, Rebecca, tell me about that moment when you got the first hard copy and you got to look at it, hold it in your hands for the first time. Yeah, it was really surreal. It just was kind of like, I can't believe it's here and I have it. And it still is really surreal at this moment because, you know, not many people know about it. It's my first work. So I don't have like this reputation of an author, but it's really fun. I have some fans that have been praying for me through this and have encouraged and supported me through it. And so having them say, I want my first signed copy, I I want a book, you know, that's been fun. But it's still very surreal for me, even now. Like, even with you at this interview, it was very, like, surreal. (laughs) (laughs) I think this book will really help bring some clarity to the faith and science discussion. It's called I Used to Be Nothing. It's written by R.J. Greer, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can pick this one up everywhere, like Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Amazon, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Rebecca, it's been wonderful having you on the show here tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Corey. It's been a pleasure. I'm really excited to see what God's going to do with this book. It was a strange year for Santa. That's the basis of the new book in stores now written by Gerald Pritt. It's titled How Mrs. Claus Saved Christmas. Really delighted that Gerald is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to chat all about it. Gerald, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's my pleasure to have you. I'm curious how Mrs. Claus saved Christmas. Can you tell me about the book? Well, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but it's a book that I uh, basically thought about. uh, It came off of a song that I wrote a couple years ago. I kind of dabble with the guitar and little piano, and I come up with a Christmas song, and it sounded like it'd be a good storybook. What kinds of readers do you think would be into this book, Gerald? Well, this is mainly for, a, it's, a, it's a children's graphics book, so it's for the young age, you know, little kids like to look at the pictures, little kids that are starting to maybe learn how to, how to read, and the parents will read the storybook to them, and then as they get older, or they can read it to themselves about that age, two, three know, years old, four years old. Hmm. Gerald, is this your first time in the arena of writing and publishing? Yes, it is. This is my very first time, and uh, I hope it goes well. (laughs) Well, so do I. Did this book take you a long time to do then? Well, I had the story in my head, believe it or not. I'd had it in my head for like six years, and then I really started to get serious with it, and it took about, I don't know, four months to get it down on paper, to get the graphics, the pictures done by a wonderful lady out of California that did the graphics for me. So overall, about four months total to actually get it down. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the illustrations. They look fantastic. So that was a pretty smooth process for you. Yeah, I think it was. I found this lady off on the internet because I didn't really know where to go and how to do it. So I found her on the internet. I told her what I wanted to do, what it looked like. She sent me back some sketches and we talked back and forth and she sent me sketches back and forth. And she's really good, very knowledgeable and easy to work with. That's fantastic. So after all that time and hard work that you put into this, what was it like when you finally got to hold that first physical copy in your hands? It was exciting. It was like, oh, look what I did, look what I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's 
one of them things that you know you you wanted to do and you never do it, but then when you finally do it, you're really is really happy about it. And the book really came out. Fulton Books did real good about putting it all together for me. I love the cover. I love the size of the book, the pictures, the colors, and everything's great. Gerald, what are the chances we'll see a sequel to How Mrs. Claus Saved Christmas, or maybe another kind of book from you in the future? Well, I've already got sequels in my head, and and I don't know if you know too much. If you read the book, I hope you did. I introduced a new reindeer. Her name is Ruby. She's a cosmic reindeer, and she's in the book, and I'm hoping to spin off with that with her. Hmm. Being your first time writing a book and having it published, Gerald, I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way. What words of wisdom do you have for people listening who are wanting to publish their first as well? Well, I think it takes patience. You can't get it all done in one week. Mm. <laughs> you know, or uh, set your time frame a little bit further out because there's always glitches on the way. So you can't expect to be out when you exactly want it out. So just be patient. Great advice. Gerald, what's the most rewarding aspect of this for you now that you are a published author, you have your voice out there for the world? You know, I really like it because my grandkids like to read it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and just to have it out there, I just, I want to hopefully sell it and, you know, maybe make some money, you know, to retire on. But like I said, I, I enjoy doing it and I definitely want to create some uh, other books. I want to be able to get that done. I'm just being the first one, the overall process of now the financial aspects of it, you know, how, how does that work? How's the role money coming in? Stuff like that that you don't even think about. You just want to get it out there, you know, and you know how much it costs you to do it. So now you got to go, okay, now I want to get a second and third one out there. And now it's just a process you just have to do. And I, like I said, I enjoy it. And I wouldn't mind retiring from my regular job and do this full time. Absolutely. Well, if you're like me, you're also curious as to how Mrs. Claus saved Christmas, and I recommend that you pick it up to find out. The book, of course, is called How Mrs. Claus Saved Christmas. It's written by Gerald Pritt, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you'll be able to find this one everywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Gerald, thanks again for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable and telling me all about your work. I hope we get to talk again sometime. I hope so, too, and I appreciate being here. Appreciate it, Corey. Author Sherry Fortner is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and her new book is part of the Forever series. It's titled Forever Fallen, Book One, A Knack Trilogy. We're going to talk all about it right now. Sherry, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's my pleasure. Sherry, what are readers in store for in Forever Fallen? Well, a little romance, some action, some history, several things. And what's the story that you tell? Well, one rainy weekend, I was intrigued by an article I read about the book of Enoch. In Genesis 5.24, it says that Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. I was interested enough to find the book of Enoch online and begin reading. And according to the book of Enoch, Enoch knew the fallen angels by name and told of their deeds on earth. Enoch also went into great detail about the race of the giants. Enoch says the angels, Gabriel, Uriel, Michael, and Raphael, went before God and told God that the giants consumed all of men's goods and then began to kill men and drink their blood. Got very exciting <laughs> books, by the way. Wow. God said he would turn the hearts of the giants against one another so they would kill each other off. I began to think perhaps there was one left. 
understanding and that perhaps he was good like his human mother and not a monster like the other giant. Hmm. That is where the protagonist, in my imagination of my story, Zell was born. Forever Fallen is set in the suburb of Atlanta where my heroine Annie is a high school senior and she is living a nightmare. She's experiencing premonitions that something dark and sinister stalks her. When a handsome new student, Zell Starr, shows an interest in her, Annie instantly has a foreboding that something's not quite right with him. She's torn between an instant attraction and the feeling that he's dangerous. Annie wonders if he is the root of her nightmares and premonitions. When Annie is attacked one evening in the parking lot of school, it begins a chain of events that leads her to believe she is the destiny that will one day change the world. She becomes torn between her feelings for Zell and her suspicions that he may be behind these heinous attacks. Annie and her friends are swept up into a war that is as ancient as time as monsters of the dark pursue her and the magnificent one protects her. Wow, sounds like quite a story, Sherry. What kind of readers do you think would be into this? Well, actually, that weekend, I started jotting down a few pages of my story, and I was actually teaching writing in English in middle school at that time. Hmm. So on Friday, I took my pages in and I read them to my students. And they were enamored and wanted more. It, it was about the time that Twilight had come out, and it was all the rage, and there was not many other books like that. Mm. So they just kept after me to write more and more. So I did. But that being said, that I actually wrote it for my middle and high school students, it really transcends age barriers, and some of my most ardent fans are adult women. Hmm. As one woman in a review put it, uh, it's a clean romance story with no explicit sex, but the romance side doesn't suffer a bit from its absence. Sherry, I know this is a series, so how far out do you have these planned or written so far? Well, I've got books one and two, Forever Fallen and Forever Girl is the second book, and then I'm currently working on the third book. It'll be Forever Something. Yet untitled, though. Prior to Forever Fallen, had you ever written or published before? No, I haven't. I just taught students how to do it. So I finally tried it on my own. <laughs> Sherry, a lot of our listeners are authors who are just starting out. They haven't got a book out there, but they're looking to do it. What advice could you offer them? Do not give up. Writing is work. Keep at it. Make notes. I have ideas all the time, yet I forget half of them if I don't write them down. I have ideas for many other books written down or in my phone, whatever it close when I do it first. But the number one thing I could tell them is just to keep working at it, reread your writing and make changes, embellish, give great details. That would be my advice. That's good advice. I know a lot of people are really going to be into this book and ought to check it out. The title is Forever Fallen, Book One, Anak Trilogy. The series is the Forever series, and this is written by Sherry Fortner. You can find this everywhere like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and this is published by Covenant Books. Well, Sherry, I really appreciate you coming on the show here today and telling me all about your work. I hope we can do this again sometime. I do, too. I hope we have one on my second book, soon. We're all called for an assignment. That's what author Dorothy Faye Williams has to say in her new book, a wife called for such a time as this. Was it a blessing or a curse? Dorothy is sitting right down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to chat all about it. Dorothy, thank you for joining me here. Thank you. It's really exciting you have this book out now. A wife called for such a time as this. Can you tell me what readers can expect? 
Well, something from the past, something from the present, and something for the future, something for everyday living that without it, many won't survive. Mm. Can you describe briefly the story that you tell? The stories of a young lady or a child born and who God had a plan for from the day she was created as a seed and who probably strayed more than once, but yet knew the love of a heavenly father who brought her, put her back online multiple occasions and then had called her for a purpose to serve not only to her family, to God, to a church, to a ministry, but he called her to serve in so many ways, even in the military, called her to serve as well. Hmm. Dorothy, where did the idea for this come from? Our church came under attack, but it came the attack came from within on the pastor who was my husband. And as he was going through this period that God was taking him through, I realized he was taking me through as well. The attack not only came from within the body of Christ, but it came through my family. So I began to pray and ask God what I should do, how I should respond, if I should stay in the marriage, if I should leave, if I should forgive. And he told me to tell them. He would wake me up four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, and he said, tell them this wasn't about you. This wasn't about them. This was about a work I have to do in each of you Mm -hmm. to get your attention. But it wasn't about trying to destroy you or to hurt you. It's just that I have some work, greater work to do, but I got to ensure that people are healed. They learn love. They learn forgiveness so that we can do greater works in helping others. That sounds like a book that would be interesting to more people than just women and wives specifically. Absolutely. It's about love and forgiveness and how much God loves us. It's absolutely. Dorothy, did this take you a long time to write and get published? It took me a long time to actually finish it because I started it in 2017. But as the enemy would have it, he put distractors in my way. No one will read it. No one will buy it. No one wants to hear that. And then he kept me busy in other places. And then finding a publisher took a bit of a time. Well, I had this publisher originally for another book I wrote, a children's book. Mm. But all three books that came to me came to me at the same time in 2017. I was supposed to start with this one, but I started with the children's book. So I had a publisher and they were awesome. But the delay was more on my part because of the distractions. And I knew I began to realize something was trying to tell me to prevent me from doing it. But finally, I got it to paper and I said, "Okay, Lord, I'm doing what you called me to do. No matter what, who reads it, if only one person reads it and there's something that they get from it, I've done what I was supposed to do, what God called me to do. Now, when you finally got that finished copy, that physical copy in and got to hold it for the first time, that must have been quite a moment for you. Oh, just seeing it, even on Google, in my email, just seeing the cover and understanding the cover came from a dream that my mother had before the incident, things became public, my mother had a dream. And so that title in the dream is from my mom. And so I just was blessed. And my mom passed a year ago, so she didn't get to see this one come to publication. Oh, I'm sorry. But even that front cover was inspired by her. So it was like, oh, wow. And, you know, I I used to think books had to be really long. But then I began to realize we all have a story. We all have a book in us. It's more like a testimony. And if shared, there are people that need to hear our testimonies. Mm. What are the chances that you'll be writing and seeking more publishing in the future? Well, my other children's book, I've already written it. It's just waiting. It's in the queue. Mm. I don't know about another adult one. Whatever God's will is, whatever he has for me. And sometimes I'm inspired by so many things. And I'm, I'm thinking now, okay, Lord, what is next? What is next? Because after serving in the military for 28 years as well, there's so much to be shared that I think really can help people. 
Well, Dorothy, I can tell that you certainly have a heart for helping others, and I know a lot of people will be blessed by this book. It's titled, A Wife Called for Such a Time as This. Was it a blessing or a curse? This is written by Dorothy Faye Williams, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere, like at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Amazon, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dorothy, it's been wonderful chatting with you here today and learning about your life and about your book. I hope we get to talk again soon. Thank you so much, and thank you awesomely, and I pray that success to all you do for all us writers. You might have heard a lot about what's in the Bible, but still be confused about what actually is in there and what it says for real. The new book by Glenn Ahrens looks to clear a lot of that up. It's titled Mysteries of the Bible, The Seal of God. Glenn is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to chat all about it. Glenn, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. That's my pleasure. So, Glenn, what can readers expect in Mysteries of the Bible, The Seal of God? Well. I wrote the book with the purpose of getting out the truth about the Bible. I even went back to the original Greek, Hebrew, eyewitness accounts and stuff. The one thing that was really frustrating to me is that there are so many different, should I say, versions and religions. We're all supposed to, as Christians, those of us that are, are supposed to have one faith. Mm. And that's not the case. I mean, all you have to do is look out there. So, I mean, it, to me, there is a frustration How can religions that are so diametrically opposed claim to have the same faith? It doesn't make sense to me. Glenn, would you say you were writing for a Christian audience or primarily a non-Christian audience? Yes, both. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, today there seems to be a trend towards prove it. Mm. People are sick and tired of being told, well, you just have to believe by faith. Or grandma did it, so believed it, so you have to. They say, you know, well, show me where the rubber hits the road. Show me, show me the proof. Mm. So I spent 17 years of research to do just that. And everything in there is scientifically and historically accurate, unless I say I'm giving my opinion. Mm. Glenn, is this the first time you've taken something like this on, writing a book and being published? Yes. I have been known that I don't even write letters. Oh, wow. So what was it like then after that 17 years of research you put into it and all the energy writing and publishing it? What was it like when you finally got that first physical copy and you got to hold and look at it for the first time? You really can't describe them. Because mm. my whole life, has so many people have been told today that they can't do anything, that they're the loser and all that. And mm. So to have something that took almost two decades of my life to come up with through the good grace of God, it was an amazing experience. It was just totally life-changing. Are you thinking to maybe do it again? Do you have any plans to write more in the future? I have four more books. We have three more books finished and another one I'm working on now. Oh. And what advice would you have for people listening right now who haven't written a book before? They haven't published before, but they really want to. How could you get them started out? I would say just go for it. If you've never tried to, you'll never succeed. Mm. It's Like the Chinese adage, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Absolutely. But the the one thing that I found out is I would highly recommend if they're going through a publisher to make sure they retain full rights Mm. to the material. There are publishers out there that will pay you all this money up front, and it sounds great, and they're going to publish your book for free and all this, but you lose all the rights to your book. Mm. So if it does become a bestseller or something down the road, it's their money. 
Glenn, who inspires you in your life, especially when it comes to your writing and your research towards this book? Very simply, Jesus Christ. Mm. The, the Apostle Paul. I've written one book already on him, and I'm doing my final book now. Well, the book I'm working on now is a very exhaustive study of the Apostle Paul and his letters. Were there people that you knew who knew you were taking this on, and they were there to encourage you and back you up as well? No, no. In fact, it was the opposite. Is this a solo project for you then? Yeah. It's something I, I started out of a, from a Bible study. I sat down one day and started writing notes for a Bible study I was doing in my home. And it was like, God said, you're not going to stop writing, keep going. And I haven't stopped yet. <laughs> mm. Well, Glenn, I think a lot of readers out there, a lot of our listeners are going to find this book very helpful in their walk. The title is Mysteries of the Bible, The Seal of God. It's written by Glenn Ahrens, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick it up everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Glenn, thank you again for joining me here at the show today and telling me all about your work. I hope we get to talk again soon. I'd be more than happy to at any time. This next book just might prove the expression that fact can be stranger than fiction. It's called A Compilation of 33 Incredible Stories. And the author, Marsden Carrington Cray, is right here with me now to talk all about it. Marsden, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. Can you tell me all about your book, a compilation of 33 incredible stories? Yeah, I had an unusual life. It was quite ubiquitous. I've lived all over the world, went to 10 different schools, 1 through 12, wow. went to Clemson University, BYU, and also uh, University of California, San Francisco. I was also went to nuclear reactor school at the Tri-Cities in Washington. And with all my exposure to everybody, to cultures, religions, physicians, military officers, my dad was a, a military physician for 30 years. Anyway, I have heard stories and seen things that were really quite incredible. And I've divided it up into four parts. In the table of contents, the first part, spiritual and paranormal, then it's medical madness, and then military mishaps, and then the last bit is fantastic experiences. And half of the things that I talk about in the book, I've experienced personally. And the other half has come from reliable sources, like the first story came from my grandmother's genealogical records, and it, it's an unbelievable story. And it's probably the longest story. All my stories are about two to three pages long. They're really short. The first one is probably the longest. The next longest one would be the Wolfpack Christmas and Fantastic Experiences. And in, in that story, you can't read it without crying. There's no, never been a woman that's been able to read that story without crying. Mm. Would you say this is a good book for a general audience, a lot of different people? It would be. Teenagers, elderly. You know, everybody has a story in their life that's incredible, you know, that's hard to believe. And uh, I've come up with 33 because of the different experiences that I've been exposed to. Mm. They're just really unbelievable, and they're all true. That's the part that makes it more fascinating, actually. Marsden, what sparked you to collect your stories and publish them? Well, I was lying in bed one night, and I was thinking of all these things that I've experienced and seen. I thought, I ought to write this down for my posterity so they'll kind of know what I went through, you know, in life. Mm -hmm. And then after I started writing it, then the idea came to me, you know what, maybe I ought to let everybody know. So that, that kind of was what inspired me. And 
my cousin was an English major, and she was the one that typed it up for me, rough draft, and then it was edited by uh, Newman Springs Publishing and stuff, and it, and it turned out really neat. Hmm. I'm really proud of how it turned out. Was that a long process for you from when you started writing them until you got it published? It was. The longest process was when I gave her my rough draft that I wrote. It took her about six months to type in. It's not a, it's not a long book. I think it's about 120 pages. But she did it kind of in the evenings on her own time when she had time and stuff. Then when I got it back, then there's the process of editing it and then getting it printed out and stuff. It was probably about close to a year by the time it was actually published for sale. Can you tell me about that moment then when you got that first hard copy in, you got to hold it for the first time? Oh, that was really exciting because I've never published a book before. This is my first one. Mm. I'm thinking of publishing some children's stories because I've got about four or five stories that I tell my grandkids, and they love them better than the Three Little Pigs or the Red Riding Hood. And then I've got an art major granddaughter that could do the illustrations. I'm thinking of doing that next. But we'll see how this one turns out. So, yeah, this was the first one that I did, and it was really exciting. I bet you learned an awful lot along the way of publishing your first book, Marsden. So yes. do you have advice for people who are just starting out as well? Well, there's a lot of publishers you can get with and stuff. And I found that the Newman Springs Publishing helped me the most and was the least expensive of all of them. What you need to do is find a publishing company that will work with you, you know, at every step of the way, and they'll guide you how to do it. If you do that, it will happen. You'll be able to get your book published. I think a lot of people are really going to love this book and should check it out. It's called A Compilation of 33 Incredible Stories. It's written by Marsden Carrington Cray and is published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Marsden, thanks again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about these incredible stories. I hope we get to talk again soon. Oh, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.